Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to episode 134 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the third episode of February 2015 and our Daikaiju discussion for Godzilla vs. King Ghidra from 1991. Joining me in the studio, we have Brian Cook. Hey, what's up? Jeff Dean. Hi, kids. Rachel Cook. Hi there. Cindy Okamoto. Hello. And Martin Vavra. Yo. This constitutes a full house now. Every single microphone is taken up by a person. We can all talk at once and uh, peek out the levels. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Oh, yeah. Let's all do it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have a giant-sized episode for you tonight. We have our discussion. We have pickled ginger. We have news. We have catastrophic events. And, of course, we have music. And we're going to start things off with a premonition for Invaders by Akira Ifukube from Terror of Mechagodzilla. small group of Japanese soldiers holding out in the caves on the island, sir, but we should have them by morning. The Stars and Stripes will fly over this island, too. This is the last of the Marshall Islands. Next, we take the Marianas, sir. This war might finally be coming to an end, Major. I certainly hope so, sir. Enemy planes, sir? Impossible. No plane can fly that fast. That looked to me like it was from another planet. 
I have to agree, sir. It did look like it was from another planet. Shall we report it, sir? What, that we're being invaded by little green men from outer space? Let's just keep it as our secret. You can tell your son about it when he's born, Major Spielberg. Sir, yes, sir! I will, sir. So the first track we played there was A Premonition for Invaders by Akira Ifukube, which I did not actually take directly from the soundtrack to Terror of Mechagodzilla. This was actually track number nine from the first bonus disc of the 50th anniversary Godzilla Perfect Soundtrack Collection. And that is basically just a cool sampler of Godzilla tunes from this massive box set. And originally the CD was released as an LP in 1989. Then we played uh, the Major Spielberg clip from Godzilla vs. King Ghidra. Uh, and then I thought, you know, hey, why not play something from Godzilla Unleashed? And that was the King Ghidra theme. That's going to pretty much take us right into our discussion. Once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast takes a look at one particular film in the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I have randomly assigned one movie to each month, ensuring that this podcast keeps going for a long, long time. This month, we take a look at the 1991 film from Toho's Godzilla series, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Ghidorah. Ghidorah? <laughs> one of those three. Uh, released two years after the poorly performing Godzilla vs. Biollante, Toho brought back Kazuki Amori to write and direct The Return of King Ghidorah, they also brought back some veteran actors from the Showa era for this film. Katsuhiko Sasaki, Kenji Sahara, and Yoshio Tsuchiya all appear in the film. And apparently the budget for this movie was 1.5 billion yen, which was uh, more than double that of Godzilla vs. Biollante. I don't know why they chose to um, improve the budget when the previous film had not performed as well as they wanted to, but thank God they did because we got this film. Um... 
What else? Anna Nakagawa, who plays the Futurian Emi Kano, died on October 17th of last year. And of course, Koichi Kawakita, the special effects director, died on December 5th of last year as well. The film, when it was released, was targeted by the news channels as being anti-American. Now, I never saw that happen. The American news channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did anybody here actually see those reports when they were happening? Yeah. Yeah, you did? Can you, do you remember how they were portraying it? Cause I never saw anything. It was just kind of, um, it was just kind of sensationalized, I guess. Uh, they, they just barely touched on it and mentioned that it was, you know, American soldiers and it painted Americans in a bad light and that they're the villain of the Godzilla movie. And there was some, probably some joke about like Godzilla versus Americans, something like that. It wasn't, it was very kind of like, Slow news day kind of news item, not a real controversy. Like gotcha. The today. slow new yeah. day news day. All right. Well, uh, we're going to actually, because there's no English language version of the trailer that I could find, we are going to actually listen to one of those CNN reports right now, and then we're going to go watch the movie and come back. To sheer longevity, none of them can hold a candle to the monster from the land of the rising sun, Godzilla. He's currently starring in his 18th film, and as Taylor Henry reports, the plotline has stirred up a bit of controversy. In Japan's latest Godzilla movie, this is the great showdown. Godzilla taking on the three-headed monster, King Ghidorah. In the process, Godzilla trashes Tokyo's opulent new 48-story city hall, cynically known among the public here as the Tax Tower. The destruction comes much to the delight of Japanese moviegoers. It was powerful and fun. Godzilla is big and it's cool to see Godzilla destroying towns and all. But some might regard the plot of the movie, released December 14th in Japan, as anti-U.S. Time travelers arrive in UFOs from the 23rd century. Japan, they say, will rise to become the world's greatest power, only to be destroyed by Godzilla. Godzilla, once a dinosaur friendly to Japan, the movie explains, helped Japanese defeat Americans in a World War II Pacific battle. A dinosaur? The time travelers go back to the wartime era and try to prevent the dinosaur's exposure to American hydrogen bomb testing that transforms it into the fire-breathing Godzilla destined to turn on Japan. But at the same time, they don't want Japan to become too strong and upset the world balance of power. So King Ghidorah is created to keep Japan in check. Director Kazuki Amori says this appeal to the Japanese survival instinct is not meant to be anti-American. The movie is not especially anti-U.S. I just thought I'd try to picture the identity of the Japanese people. Those who've seen it appear fascinated with this Godzilla's 18th movie, produced at a cost of about $12 million. It's expected to bring more than $15 million at the box office. Godzilla may win the mortal battle against King Ghidorah. Will Japan be saved from Godzilla? The public may have to wait until the next Godzilla movie already in the planning stages to find out. Taylor Henry, CNN, Tokyo. Hey, Phil, spoiler alert. You just pretty much gave away the entire plot of the film. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That was the CNN report or one of the CNN reports from uh, 
the controversy behind Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, or King Ghidorah. Martin, you had never seen this film before, so I I'd like to start not. with you, man. Let's uh, let's get your initial thoughts. Did not like it. Really? Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, I can't wait to hear why, but uh, can you just sort of nutshell it as like, was it just an overall mess, or did you? Yep. I, I, man, that's like the longest setup <laughs> to get to the point. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, there was almost nothing that I enjoyed about this film. Ah, well, it does take an hour for Godzilla to even really, really appear on screen, yeah. pretty much. Uh, Cindy, initial thoughts? Okay. Martin, now you're in trouble. <laughs> but no, this That's actually fine. is one of my five favorites, I would say. I agree that the setup is extremely long. And if you are not a huge Godzilla fan, you're probably going to get bored in that while waiting for something to happen. You know, where's the monster? When are we going to get to see some fighting? But once they get there, um, King Ghidra is one of my favorite monsters. Um, I love the effects. I love the suits. Well, the last half of the movie, I'm sorry, not even half, the last half hour of the movie <laughs> is pretty spectacular just in terms of I will, model I building agree. and yeah. explosions and, and suits and stuff like that. But yeah, it does take an hour to get there. Uh, what about you, Rachel? Initial uh, thoughts. Actually, how many times have you seen this before? This might be my fourth or fifth time. Okay. I'd say. All right. Um, but uh, I think because mainly, if if you're counting watching the whole film, sure, I think I count watching the whole film. I'm pretty sure many other times I've just skipped to the scene of the Dorats <laughs> <laughs> just to see the Dorats for fun and then turn the movie off. Um, just because I love the Dorats, <laughs> so it's probably many, many more times if you count that. But um, but I yeah, think no. Your I slogan think... for the show for the podcast should just be "I like baby monsters." Yes, <laughs> that's probably yeah. That's my mo for the for the yeah, show. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it was. Um, I I like this film a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. I think I even said I was recalling that in the first episode that Brian and I were on. I said this was my favorite Godzilla movie. Oh, way back and I remember when. you being very polite about it. <laughs> and then later finding out that you weren't as big of a fan as I expected. Like, I was like, <gasps> Oh, how could you not just love this movie? But, um, but it's just, it's not for everybody. It is, a, it's, it's an unusual one, but I love the effects. Yeah. I think they're fun. But, right on. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Dean. I think it's a decent film. I'll save my criticisms for when we get into. You know, the problems I have with it. But it's, I mean, I agree with you in that the, uh, you know, last 30 to 40 minutes are really what make the film stand out for me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's all right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And Mr. Cook. I dig this one. Uh, this is one of the better Heisei ones in my opinion. Uh, but if you think too closely about the plot, it all falls apart. But yeah, still. One of the better ones of the Heisei, in my opinion. Okay. Um, I will say for my initial thoughts, it's really, you know, at the, at this point in my love of Godzilla movies, it's very difficult for me to have initial thoughts on a film that I've already seen like 15, 20 times. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I, I think for this film in particular, I'm long past the point where 
I'm like, oh, I didn't know. You know, if I had never seen a, a subtitled version before, that might change. But, you know, I'm definitely way past the point where things are jumping out at me going, oh, I didn't notice that before. No, check that out. Uh, I am, I'm not a huge fan of this movie. There are things in this movie that I absolutely love, but this movie has a lot going against it for me personally. Um, and I'll get into that in a second too. Uh, I see why it's a beloved film. I see why it had some controversy. I see why it's still kind of an important, uh, release for Godzilla. I think it's kind of cool that it, that it exists, but to me, uh, I don't think that the, the good even comes close to outweighing the bad. So, uh, speaking of the bad, let's just kick it off and talk about the, the negativity. Uh, Martin, if you had to choose, uh, we gotta, I, I, I do want to say really quickly, and I may or may not keep this in because we have so many homeworks for this movie, so many submissions. Uh, we should probably try and keep it brief on our end and, you know, really let the listeners shine. <laughs> I can do that. But what's the, what was some of the negative aspects for, for this film in, in your opinion? Uh, I would actually argue the models were not that good in this film. And I, I'm not going to talk about the suits because I think the suits were a strength, but the models were not. I don't think that they were that good. I don't think they were filmed very well. Um, and yeah, it, that took so long to get that thing rolling. Oh man, it just, <laughs> it took us so long to get rolling. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh no, but then we have this mistake. Oh no, this is what we really intended. Oh no, we're going to do this. It's like unraveling all of this stuff so quickly. And, uh, we can resurrect and go back and we'll go forward and make a <laughs> mecha and then we'll come. Well, and then we didn't come back. Like at the same time we left, we came back exactly at the time that there was the big battle of the city and thing. It, yeah, just, I don't know. It, by the time that it got to what I thought was the good stuff, mm-hmm. I just didn't care. Interesting. I, I just didn't care. And, and honestly, if you're going to come back with a mega, uh, mecha King Ghidorah, right, right. <laughs> don't make giant, fixed solar panels <laughs> that that really are just massive targets <laughs> yeah. that are all well, I mean the Heisei series the, the Heisei series is terrible with wings I yeah. mean uh Ghidra <laughs> Mecha King Ghidra Rodan and Mothra and Batra and Destroya I mean that's a lot of winged lot, creatures yeah. in the Heisei era and as much as I love the creature design and the effects in some of these films that's one of those things that I just have to really, really focus my suspension of disbelief on yeah. and not have it ruin it for me. But yeah, giant targets. Yeah. I actually kind of like the, I like Mecha King Ghidra better than regular King Ghidra in, in the 1991 design, at least. Uh, I think it's a little, it's a little hokey to have like, you know, why does he have these giant like ankle weights on yeah. and, and stuff? <laughs> but, uh, the the wings i always even back in the day right i always thought like oh well those are probably like solar panels and probably like how he's getting his uh his power his energy to move and so forth i i don't know why but for some reason with ghidra i always want there to be arms that creature always looks really awkward to me with the legs and the heads and the wings and not even a little set of arms or anything it's just always awkward you're looking for for your your Dungeons and Dragons style. It's a wyvern, right, or something like that. 
<laughs> Ooh, nobody here plays D and D. No, I thought for sure in this room somebody <laughs> would pipe up. I know the card game Wervin from way back in the day, long okay. before Magic the Gathering. And stuff. No, I don't. I don't have any. I prefer a dragon-like creature more in the lines of Death Ghidra, where they do have you know four legs and wings. But I mean, Ghidra at this point in the Godzilla series, Ghidra is set. I mean, they're, oh, yeah. they're not going to redesign Ghidra, you would think, until then you get 2004, where <laughs> they bring in Kaiser Ghidra. Uh, <laughs> but that's not here or there. So, uh, Cindy, let's talk about, uh, what, what was the worst part about this movie for you? What was your biggest criticism? Some of the acting, honestly. Mm. The, the people from the future. With the exception of Emmy. Yeah. They were so stiff. Okay, I understand that M11 is a robot. And I remembered that. I'm like, okay, that right. that's the robot. He's fine. The rest of the the future people, it's like... <laughs> the rest of the Caucasians. Just, yes, yes, they're all Caucasians. Um, they all look like they were reading from cards that were off screen. Mm, yeah, I actually, uh, I don't know too much about those guys. I will say one thing. Uh, the guy who introduced himself as Wilson, his character's name is Chuck Wilson. And apparently, according to IMDb, that is also the actor's name as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what the deal is. Is uh, Lieutenant Spielberg a Spielberg yeah. as well? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, actually, I had that loaded up. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, the, the the Caucasian, the white actors in Godzilla movies, typically, unless you're talking about somebody like Nick Adams or Rhodes Reason or maybe, I'm not even going to say Russ Tamblin, but uh, the, <laughs> yeah. typically those actors that you see that are in Japan and get cast as, you know, as Americans or, or, or what have you, uh, they're not actors by trade. They're just people who sign up for a... Uh, 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 what do you call that? A, uh, not a, like, yeah, just like an agency. And then they, they say, oh, you know, here we've got these, these white people for you. And Toho <laughs> said, extras. they probably it's like look American at them. extras. Yeah. 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 Yep. They probably look at the pictures and go, these guys. And, you know, that's it. I would imagine that those fellows in the, uh, the Futurians, I guess we were calling them. I, I would imagine they had to go through some sort of, process but they spoke really great japanese yeah uh actually i was thinking that the guy who's in the future the one you see in the, sort of like the pod with emmy and m11 mm-hmm. who's talking about like is king ghidra still alive after all this time his japanese is flawless like super good uh yeah but i don't i mean i i would imagine if you can speak fluent japanese and you are white <laughs> and you're not gonna look directly at the camera when it's on you uh you probably have a leg up on on getting a part in a toho godzilla film rachel what is your biggest criticism of this film i would just i would say probably the convoluted plot Okay. But it did, it did take me a couple times to fully watch it through to really get a good grasp on what the heck happened. Cause there is so much going on. There's and your problem, Martin. You just so, haven't seen it enough. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, I think that it, it, there's so, there's so many different aspects to the story. And then you've got the time warping back and forth that it just, it makes it a little complicated. 
Mm, okay. All right. What about you, Jeff? I just find like the first hour is kind of clunky. It seems very kind of disjointed and kind of badly edited. Like everything's kind of choppy hmm. um, in the flow of the story. And the story is convoluted. Um, but that's not my biggest problem. It's, it just, it's kind of badly dated. Like when you look at the futurins, it's yeah. not, it's not badly dated like a seventies, like some of the seventies films. Those right. are fun. This, the dated, like their suits and their hairstyles and the, and the makeup just looks, I mean, it's kind of amazing to me that this film has like, what is it? Double the budget of Biolante. Yeah. That's what it's because said on Soho it, Kingdom at least because it doesn't feel like it to me. Maybe they spent all those money as on the sets or huh. something, but there's some pretty big sets in there. I yeah, mean, the yeah, Tokyo I set alone, I was sort of stepping, like stepping back out, outside of my movie viewer persona and just like looking at the vast set that they built for Tokyo. And I was like, wow. Yeah. That's big. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff in that in this film. What about you, Brian? Well, everyone has already said the plot was convoluted and whatnot. And I agree with that. But my biggest gripe about specifically about what's wrong with the plot is when they go, when they get rid of Godzilla and they come back in time and they're all walking around saying, wow, Godzilla's been wiped away from history. Isn't that weird, everyone, that we all know who Godzilla <laughs> is? Yeah. And he's been wiped from history. From the first time I saw the movie, I was like, wait a minute, that's wrong. That's a must, much more interesting movie to me, but hey. Well, that's the problem when you have time travel type <clears throat> stuff. When they came back to 1992, their future would be different too. Mm-hmm. So things would be right, completely, yeah. yeah. But you have that problem with time travel, so you can't really nitpick too much. Because oh, I uh, disagree. I nitpick all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is actually that's my biggest qualm with the film is that uh, it's. I will say that yeah, it's probably difficult to make a great time travel movie where you can still follow what's happening, and you know they go back to do something different and change things i would love to know some more time travel movies like that i've seen some really good ones in general but uh i want to say that shortly after i saw it for the first second or third time that's when i said like wait a minute how do they even know who godzilla is and i'm a big doctor who fan (laughs) like especially the newer doctor who stuff uh and so i still can't get that like burr out of my skin like it still just rubs me the wrong way it is the one thing that actually just kind of kills it i can't build up the the suspension of disbelief enough for that like do you think godzilla is like a fixed point in history i was just gonna say (laughs) i was just gonna gonna happen no matter what if if you're a doctor who fan the especially david Tennant says uh that some things are fixed points in time and I I have recently <laughs> like glommed onto this concept and said, well, Godzilla's birth must be a fixed point in time. It doesn't doesn't help this film and and how it still like throws out the logic, you know, and just ignores how you'd say, well, I don't know who Godzilla is, or or maybe like yes, Godzilla did appear in 54 but we haven't seen him since or something like that you know there's no sort of explanation it was just sort of like yes we've successfully erased godzilla and then wow he's bigger than he used to be you know it's sort of it really 
bugs me. So since Brian took that one and, and I've already really talked about it, I will say <laughs> the sound effects from the future are so lame. <laughs> <laughs> the door opens, you know, it's just like, come on. You're getting it wrong already. But anyway, uh, let's move on to the positive. What, you know, what would you praise about this film, Martin? Or I could just skip you if that's the, <laughs> <laughs> the silence. Uh, you know what? I, I actually liked both Ghidorah suits. Okay. I, I, I did. I liked them both, actually. The Godzilla one was, seemed awkward to me with the head and it, it just seemed odd. And, and you guys were talking about <laughs> the heads and. <laughs> Well, it's getting angry. Well, I, 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 I didn't know it. It actually there's a couple of times I wondered if they switched back and forth between two different heads for a variety of. Takes well, they have there. a they do have a animatronic head, mm-hmm. an animatronic head that they use uh, for the close ups of the head, where mm-hmm. it's like you know reacting. Uh, they did that. Biolante was the the genesis of the true animatronic head for. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like that still is on like a suit kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they did. I, I want to say I'm really tempted to say this. So I'm just going to do it. I think I read somewhere. Uh, so don't quote me on this listeners that the 1989 suit was reused for this suit. So that in the two years that it, you know, taken place in between Biolante and King Kidra, the suit had started sagging some. And so a lot of people actually, they like the suit from 89, but they prefer the 91 suit. And I, I think it would be really cool if it was just the same suit, but it, you know, it was droopy and like (laughs) the way that it droops. Yeah. yeah, Well, the way that it droops just kind of like makes it look a little more muscular, like a different suit. But, uh, I, yeah, I wish I could, I don't have that offhand on, you know, for my notes, but yeah. So you like the you did like the suits? Uh, you I like G- I did Ghidra the, the, the Ghidra suits, and I thought that um, compared to the earlier Ghidra movie that I had seen, I thought that the way they puppeteered the heads was mm-hmm. really good. I thought they did a, a really excellent job hmm. with that. Okay. It, it seemed so in the the prior movie, it just seemed like it was so random and flailing and and whatnot. This actually a lot of people actually really like that the the extremely animated bouncing heads that, yeah. that happened in the 60s and 70s or yeah, mostly it, 60s i guess I, for some reason i i thought this was better it this seemed more controlled and deliberate. realistic yeah. deliberate for sure yeah all right cool praise this film cindy the suits yeah yeah absolutely. suits for sure um I i do like the godzilla suit though this is the one that i i like to call godzilla needs thigh master Okay. We were yeah. thinking maybe yeah. it is the, the, the thunder thighs is something I've heard a lot about yeah. Godzilla. But no, this the Godzilla suit was awesome. Um both of the Ghidra suits are nice. I actually do like the more controlled Ghidra heads cuz they look like they are more coordinated, they have a purpose versus they're shooting lightning bolts everywhere and so it's kind of random if they hit Godzilla. Yeah. Now it's more of like okay, the heads are more coordinated, they're concentrated. They've got a target. So, yeah, the suits definitely for me. Cool. Cool. Rachel, I already know what you're going to say. I know. I know. Okay. I have to say the Dorats, even though I already brought them up. Yeah. Because they're adorable. And I love even the dialogue around them about how they are pets. And I want one as a pet. And how they're cute. People just reiterate what I'm thinking in the movie. 
It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, besides that, uh, I, I I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, but the effects of the fight between Godzilla and King Ghidorah is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I love just all the big lightning bolts and everything, and I love just the foaming of the mouth of Godzilla, and you know when Ghidorah has his center head's wrapping his neck around Godzilla's head, and then he yeah. eventually shoots that head off. It's this awesome. film it's really has cool. some really iconic. Um, that battle especially has yeah. some iconic things like the poster. You know, yes, is King yeah, Ghidra exactly. with his necks wrapped around Godzilla. Yep. Yuji Sakai created a model kit called the Big Wrap that is, I mean, it's probably one of the most, probably if not the most bootlegged version of a model kit ever. Like mm-hmm. for Godzilla kit, I would say. Uh, it's definitely the big, uh, when he slams him down, grabs oh, his tail, yeah, slams him tails. down. Oh, he did so another awesome. one called the Big Slam yeah. as well. Yeah, there's some really cool fight scenes in, in this movie. Definitely. What do you think, Jeff? What's your favorite part about Godzilla versus King Ghidra? I really like Mecha God, uh, Mecha King Ghidra. Yeah. I think he's pretty cool. And once Godzilla shows up for those last 40 minutes, I think it's like pretty well paced. Godzilla's in it, I mean, pretty much from then on. Yeah. Which is pretty exciting. And the fight scenes are, are well done and there's a lot of destruction. And I mean, that's right. It's the part. payoff, really. Yeah, I mean yeah. the last last half hour is the is really the payoff. Yeah. I mean But when they go and they make uh you know, Mecha King Ghidra, why don't they just go back a little bit bef- you know, before the battle and just get rid of Godzilla you know, the <laughs> right, whole right. thing. Right? It's like why don't you just go back before? There's probably some uh, you know, like when, law when, of time that they really couldn't break. When, when like Godzilla Saurus <laughs> yeah. is still just on the island, the battle would have been over pretty quickly, I think. <laughs> right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fixed point but, in time. Uh, Fixed yes. point in time. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> Brian, uh, tell me your favorite part about this film. Um, well, I, I, I give, I, I accept all the flaws in the plot because the movie is a cool, sort of weird remake of Monster Zero in a lot of ways. True. There are definitely some aspects of this film that have been culled mm-hmm. from Monster Zero. Yeah, like... They're very much like Planet X aliens. They offer, you know, salvation. They take Godzilla away for safety mm-hmm, reasons, mm-hmm. but then they unleash their good. You know, it, it kind of makes me gloss over the problems with the plot where I'm sitting, sitting there thinking, wow, it's kind of this weird take on Monster Zero. And I dig that. So right on. Um, I also agree that the suits are probably my favorite point of this film. My, you know, my, the, what I would really hail as like the best aspect of Godzilla versus King Ghidra. And, uh, I think the suit acting is part of that as well. Even though just like the original Ghidra, the guy inside of that suit, the poor dude probably is still just a guy hanging onto a bar and moving his feet and everybody <laughs> in the rafters with the, with the puppet heads and the wings and the tails is really doing all the work. But, uh, that like, you know, that last half hour of the movie, that's really, I mean, it contains my favorite parts of the film because I'm a Godzilla fan and because I love seeing kaiju destroy things. But it's also, uh, it just has some good stuff. I mean, Satsuma does a fantastic job as Godzilla in this film. Uh, and the, man, the set with the gigantic buildings. Cause actually, when you mentioned that you didn't care for the model work, we probably have talked about it before, but when they, 
launched the Heisei series, they had to make Godzilla bigger. So in the mm-hmm. original show era, he was 50 centimeters tall. Nope. 50 <laughs> meters tall. Just a little guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 50 centimeters. Let's make a tall monster. Mini Godzilla. Uh, anyway, so he was 50 meters tall in the Showa era. And then when they brought him back in 84, they said, well, the buildings are so much bigger. He's going to be dwarfed by them all. So they made him 80 meters tall. Uh, and then this film is where they increased his size even more. So, uh, while that's cool, they, they make Godzilla bigger to, you know, so he doesn't get towered over by buildings, even though there were massive buildings in this film, right? Uh, that means that they have to make the miniatures with less detail. And I think yeah. in some shots, they had three or four shots in this film where I'm, it's too bad because, um, Koichi Kawakita, really wants wanted to innovate things and he did a good job of innovating things and so he came up with new camera angles and new locations and and uh like interiors of buildings which they did in the in the 70s as well but i mean he you could tell he was really trying to do new things but because of that scale well sometimes it really just yeah. failed yeah, yeah. I, and that was where i really noticed it was in places like that and and i i kind of actually thought there were times when some of the cuts and some of the explosions really took away from whatever it is that they they had made mm-hmm. you know that uh, uh, that was just kind of my take on it yeah that's okay don't worry about it man i just <laughs> i feel the hate no man i see this is like uh you know this movie sits in a lot of people's like top 10 godzilla films and it just doesn't for me it's like yeah i'm curious like that's one thing i wanted to talk about is like where does this film sit yeah. among godzilla fans because we're about to because, read 22 entries because right list. now um, among yeah. everybody here it's pretty much kind of a mixed bag i think yeah you know so there are yeah i think this film has some really great things in it but it's just like i said before the bad outweighs the good for me yeah you're gonna hear a lot of praise from the listeners about the film as well uh and we should probably get to that so final thoughts mr vavra i would watch this one again and see if uh multiple showings works out better for me i would not recommend this for a first time kaiju person what about you cindy i've seen this one multiple times um definitely would watch it again though for me the first hour that's when you go to the kitchen and make snack food and just let the <laughs> thing run and you can if the volume's up loud enough you can tell when to go back to it right right <laughs> rachel yeah it's a good movie to skip to the door ats on that's what i'd say <laughs> you know it's it's got some value there for DVD owners, no, which I, chapter I is love it? it? I was going to ask the same question. How far, yes, how many minutes in um, is that? Do you know? You just need to hire Brian to come in, and he knows exactly where it's at to make his wife very happy. <laughs> chapter eight. <laughs> chapter eight, and then hit forward like three or four times, and I'm sure it's right there. Brian. Oh, no, sorry, Jeff. Sorry. You guys look same so similar guy. today. We, uh, <laughs> we're dressed the same. Nope, no. Nope. Look the same. Um, I think it's a you know it's a decent film, especially for Godzilla fans. I'll definitely watch it again. Oh yeah. Um, but I think this kind of sits for the Heisei series for me in in the lower half. Okay. I'd say for me, I'd, well, I'll get to me in a second, but maybe right in the middle of the Heisei. Brian, uh, the I real Brian this time. The real Brian. Yeah. 
I dig this one. Uh, I really like it. I think uh, I think it's one of the better ones. I think it sits higher in my list of Godzilla movies than it does for everyone else from the sound of it. But uh, yeah, I dig it. I recommend it. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, just for me, it's like I I wish I could go back in time and uh, <laughs> fix the uh, <laughs> the plot point of uh, of trying to erase Godzilla or maybe explain it better or just like take the director Amori aside and say, did you not consider these 15 points that could make your movie better slash less bad? You know, <laughs> coherent, coherent, you know, there really, I mean, I could, I, when we were watching it tonight, I opened up a notepad uh, on my phone and I was like sitting there thinking about writing down every single thing that could be tweaked to make the movie better. But, you know, that's just silly. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go back in time either and, like, fix it. Uh, overall, I think I would show it to Kaiju Newbie just because the movie does have some really cool things in it, but I would not say that this is at the top of the list to show a, a Kaiju Newbie. Uh, I know this film recently came out on Blu-ray, which is great. Uh, I, I do not have it yet, but... uh we got some homework in, which includes two of our kaiju kernels, and we're going to start things off with Mr. Andy Campbell. One thing that's always bothered me about this movie is the massive, massive time travel paradox plot hole. And I know you're probably going to get a ton of submissions in, so I'm going to keep this short and sweet and get straight to the point. I have taken the liberty of rewriting the entire movie to fix that plot hole. Now, I present to you Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, how it should have ended. We're back from the past. Did we get rid of Godzilla? Huh? What? What's Godzilla? The end. <laughs> there you go. That's Andy's answer. Uh, Benjamin Erickson also sent in his homework, and uh, here's how that went. Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah marks the point where the Heisei series starts to pick up steam. Issuing some of the dark and grim styling of the 80s movies, this film begins the trend of reintroducing familiar foes and futuristic technology to the continuity. It also primarily features two of my personal passions, time travel and dinosaurs. Admittedly, the time travel aspect of this movie is deserving of some of the ire it raises with fans. It's not that a fictional movie like this isn't allowed to have its own fictional rules governing a subject like backwards time travel that currently only resides in fiction, it's just that those rules aren't consistently applied and they lead to a lot of apparent plot holes and general confusion for those who have seen the prior films. On the other hand, the time traveling may have had less to do with paradoxes and causation and more to do with the notion of fate. The Futurians tried to get Godzilla out of the picture before it even happened and just wound up creating a bigger, stronger, and somehow meaner creature in his stead. Then, the Teo Corporation, a corporation instrumental in Japan's future power, is dealt a huge blow by that very same Godzilla when he, in one of the film's most poignant moments, destroys Teo Tower with Chairman Shindo inside. But then lo and behold, a Mecha King Ghidorah is eventually introduced to combat Godzilla and ends up becoming an 80,000 ton treasure trove slash corpse of future technology, accelerating Japan's progress by an unknown factor. Switching gears to dinosaurs, I really like that this film finally codified Godzilla's origin as a recognizable theropod dinosaur, and not just some vague, amphibious, transitional species. 
Now, while the action scenes he was in were filled with repetitive quick cuts, bad compositing, and comically inept American GIs, I still give the producers props for introducing Godzillasaurus. They could have easily gone for a creature similar to the T-Rex from The Last Dinosaur, but they had developed a beast that was both a man in a suit, as well as a decent attempt at paleontological accuracy for the time. But I digress. Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah is a film that benefits from its place in the midst of the series, and is best watched with some prior knowledge of Godzilla, and one of his most famous rubber-suited foes, King Ghidorah. Sure, it has a myriad number of flaws, but it's also a movie I enjoy watching each and every time. Big thanks to Andy and Benjamin for sending their homework in. Stay tuned to the KaijuCast website for information on how you will be able to send in your homework via voicemail starting in July, I believe. So uh, we're going to continue things with our homework sent in by the listeners, starting with Johnny, who remembers seeing Godzilla vs. King Ghidra at G-Fest last year. And nothing is more awesome than watching one of his favorite Godzilla films on the big screen with fellow G-Fans. From Mecha King Ghidra to the, speed, to the Steven Spielberg reference, there are tons of great moments. In this movie, we have the return of Godzilla's arguably greatest foe, King Ghidra, who is bigger, badder, and ready for destruction. What's different this time is the origin of King Ghidra, which Johnny does like, for he isn't just a space monster, but a result of an evil plan created by people from the future. But King Ghidra is not his favorite part of the film, plot-wise. His favorite part was that they were able to actually explore Godzilla's origin, which is better than just an H-bomb waking him up. The movie was definitely one of Koichi Kawakita's greatest films. The special effects were really good for it. Uh, it was colorful, detail, and overall fun to watch. This movie also featured the grand return of composer Akira Fukube, and all the music was fantastic. The acting was also good, and shout out to Robert Scott Field as Android M11. Even though the movie is great, it does have some flaws. The biggest flaw is that the dialogue seems to repeat the information right after we found it out. For example, you mean you're from the future? But that's just nitpicking. Overall, this is a fantastic Godzilla movie and is a good one for beginners. Johnny gives it 4.5 Godzilla Soars out of 5. Shane says that Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah can be summed up in two words. M freaking 11. I love this guy. Every scene he's in is hilarious. I need an action figure of M11. I would not uh, turn it out in an action figure of oh, yeah. M11. I agree. I, I, would, I would have it in my collection. Um, I need you guys' help. You guys know what a poetry slam does and, and so forth. You know how to applaud at a poetry slam. You snap your fingers. Okay. 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 So uh, <clears throat> Tom... <laughs> asked us to please sing the below karaoke to the tune of Jefferson Mothership, just like the 1990s second Woodstock did. Uh, I have no idea what that is. So please enjoy this spoken word slam poetry version. Time slip makes Kaiju larger. Another makes them small. And that extra one-day trip served no purpose at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ask Mickey for an ESP satellite call. Sashimi sliding rainbow Gojira. Japan's economic bu bubble could install. Tell him a hookah-smoking caterpillar named Mothra doesn't show at all. Call Kenichiro. 
his chest exposed from the shower stall. When M11 runs on trippy Healy's, Schwarzenegger's jaw will fall. <laughs> Scary barkeep unfurls banners like Yasukuni's in the Natural Museum Hall. Emmy's his descendant, disquieting facts she randomly throws when logic and timeline are a twisted Gordian thread and that script line is total nonsense and the kaiju catcher's yellow lever whacks you in the head. Remember what the door rat said. <laughs> yeah! Steel head, steel CD head. Was the writer on meds? Shindo nukes the seabed. Godzilla is and isn't instead. Okay. <laughs> he says, other than that, he says, great movie effects wise, but Tom does not advocate the abuse of any drugs except Toho movies. Andrew just finished watching the American dub of Godzilla vs. King Ghidra. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I'm sorry that he watched the American dub. Which he has got to say is probably one of his top five. Godzilla movies. First, the design of the suit was amazing. The score by Akira Ifukube made every scene memorable. The monster fights were epic, and the characters were interesting to watch. This is a great Godzilla film and, entertain and an entertaining movie in general that Andrew would happily share with a diehard fan of kaiju or even a kaiju newbie. 4.5 out of 5. On a side note, he found this on a Godzilla wiki site. Godzillasaurus's roar was borrowed from other kaiju. Rodan extremely slowed down and Gamera slightly sped up when he screams in agony. Andrew didn't notice until he was actually listening for a while after he saw it on the wiki. So yeah, if you didn't know that, which I think we covered that recently, but this is, uh, question, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, this is question, the, though, I thought Gamera was in another studio. He is. He yeah. Is. But they, uh, I guess copyright doesn't, not the same. <laughs> hey, he just, hey, blew, he just blew the whistle right now. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Toho. <laughs> I don't know how they got away with that. But, oh, this was actually done. way before Gamera was rebooted. Now that I think about it, I don't know if Dae was, was back in production, but, uh, this is, uh, these are the Godzilla Saurus roars. <laughs> Which is Rodan. And then I think this one is. Yeah, that's without a doubt Gamera. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. All right. So what can Michael say about Godzilla versus King Ghidra? It's easily one of his favorite Godzilla flicks and for good reasons. It has a compelling story that finally reveals the full origin of the big G, which has been speculated since the original 1954 film. It also modernizes the age-old conflict between Godzilla and Ghidra to new heights, and it's done so with outstanding visual effects by the late Koichi Kawakita. Although there is a brief scene where Ghidra's wires are showing when he lands in Hokkaido to fight Godzilla. The plot is also very well executed, and the actors, both old and new, provided a good, solid performance. This film is the second appearance of Megumi Odaka as Miki Segusa who is as synonymous to the Godzilla Heisei series as Brian Coulson is to the Marvel movies. Returning actors include Kenji Sahara from Rodan and Mothra vs. Godzilla and Akiji Kobayashi, who is Captain Murama Muramatsu of the Science Patrol in Ultraman, as well as the motorcycle coach Tobi Tachibana in the Kamen Rider series. 
this side note from Kyle, I also saw Susumu Kurobe in there just super briefly yeah. in like one of the one of the military scenes. Most notable of the returning old school actors is Yoshio Tsuchiya as the World War II veteran Shindo. What makes Shindo an interesting character is that he is able to see the good in such a destructive creature like Godzilla, all because he saved Shindo and his garrison back in 1944 when he was just a dinosaur. The time travelers are some of the best human villains in the kaiju genre, right alongside Clark Nelson and Mothra and Onidara in Gamera vs. Barugan. Michael was confused as to whether the Godzilla-saurus mutated into the original Godzilla or the current one due to the fact that they relocate him to the Bering Sea, which is where Godzilla re-emerged in 1984. Another confusing aspect in the movie is that when the characters go back to the future, Wilson clearly states Godzilla is gone and now King Ghidra has taken his place. How does Wilson know about Godzilla when he's been erased from existence? This movie just has a tendency of breaking the rules of time travel at some points. Michael was also fond of King Ghidra's new design, which is just a modernized version of the 60s and 70s classic, but didn't care for his new origin story. What? He enjoyed... Well, <laughs> not everybody is you, Rachel. <laughs> he enjoyed the idea that Ghidra was created by nuclear weapons so that he is in some way connected to Godzilla, even though he prefers the space monster origin... But he didn't... Someone hold her down. We didn't really (laughs) care for the Dorats. It's laughable that these cute little creatures would turn into Godzilla's greatest enemy. The two kaiju are then attracted to each other like magnets on the plains of Hokkaido, and the viewer is treated to one of the very few physical fights in the Heisei Godzilla series. Along with the typical beam fights of the Heisei movie, this fight also includes Ghidra stomping Godzilla into the ground, and one of Michael's favorite moments in the movie, where Godzilla picks up his enemy by the tails and repeatedly slams him into the ground, a small return of the campy kaiju of old. The scene with Godzilla and Shindo connecting is one of Michael's all-time favorite Godzilla moments. This film is definitely one of the best kaiju movies ever, and he would highly recommend it to a newbie to the genre. Return of Godzilla helped relaunch the post-1954 continuity, and Godzilla vs. Biollante helped modernize the series and launch the career of one of the best tokusatsu artists to ever work on the Godzilla series. But Godzilla vs. King Ghidra earned him an Academy Award for his outstanding achievements in this film, and it sets the standards for what a Heisei Godzilla movie should be like. Joey still considers Godzilla vs. King Ghidra to be in his top 10 Godzilla films. He really liked the updated look to Ghidra and loved the Godzilla suit. He also liked the upgraded Ghidra theme. Kawakita's effects are great here, especially the final battle in the city with the buildings dwarfing Godzilla. He hopes to see this film without the terrible dub one of these days. He gives the film 8 out of 10 and would show it to a kaiju newbie. So if any uh, listeners out there want to see this not dubbed into English by the Hong Kong studio that Toho hired for the international version, it was recently released on Blu-ray that includes both the English dub and the Japanese language version, too. And it's totally, I mean, I think that makes it pretty much worth it buying. And they're not that expensive. I think they're only like 20 bucks. John has been rediscovering his kaiju roots this year. He just discovered the kaiju cast last month. Welcome, John. And has been listening to back episodes and has enjoyed catching up with all the news. He's been buying up his Godzilla DVD collection over the last month and trying to watch all the movies he remembers on TV during his childhood as well as the movies he never realized existed, like this one. He's been watching the Showa Age in order, but couldn't resist skipping ahead to King Ghidra 91 to give his thoughts. He watched the TriStar Pictures release from the triple feature DVD, so it was the English dubbed version. Man, I am really sorry for all the listeners out there that have been listening to that version. 
One lesson he has been learning is that Godzilla isn't really much about continuity. Having grown up on the Star Wars and Star Trek, I can't believe I just put a the there. Having grown up <laughs> the Star Wars. You kids, you like the Star Wars? Okay. <laughs> Having grown up on Star Wars and Star Trek, where fans love to nitpick the nuances and flaws, he has had to adjust to the fact that Godzilla isn't going to provide a chronological tale. This movie was refreshing, however, for John, as it did try and give a more in-depth origin story to Godzilla and Ghidra. He's generally sick of origin stories uh, from having to see so many in comic book films, but this was refreshing since it wasn't done in this fashion before in Godzilla. He didn't have high hopes for the films for this film at points, he was convinced that these people were not from the future, but were aliens in disguise, having just watched Invasion of the Astro Monster. He was a bit dubious that the humans would be time-traveling in a Godzilla movie. At points, John was sure he was watching an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Dorats? What? He was laughing at that explanation for the meanest monster ever flying across the screen. <laughs> Nevertheless, things came full circle once, <laughs> once Ghidra and... Rachel, I will say this. If you figure out a way to mass-produce plush Dorats, I'm pretty sure uh, as long as you don't, you know, post them online and incur the wrath of Toho, I'm pretty right. sure you could sell a lot of them. Anyway. Is Toho litigious? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, nevertheless, things came full circle once Ghidra and Godzilla finally started to get into the battle sequences, and he felt the plot did provide ample conclusions. Time travel stories can have a million loopholes, but he felt that this one reasonably explained them, at least for this genre. He kind of <laughs> lost track of what was happening when they first traveled back to the future, so John will have to rewatch this film again to try and sort that all out. William loves this movie. It turned him from a casual Godzilla fan into a guy who listens to a podcast about Godzilla and all his rubber-suited foes. If you think about the plot too much, this movie can be an annoying suck fest of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey hate. But he's sure we covered that plot hole and what it means. Uh, Dr. Serizawa lives, no destroyer, Godzilla melts down and destroys the planet, etc. But what this movie does right is merge the suck and the spectacular into a fun, even-paced movie. It's a Godzilla movie, so he expects some bad effects, cheesy dialogue, and awesome monster violence. This movie gave William all of this in spades. He loves that Ghidra got an origin story and wants a Dorat for a pet. Definitely yes. in his top five Godzilla <laughs> movies, and he would show this to a newbie. Four out of five Dorat poops for this one. <laughs> right on. Wow, there is so much that Jamie wants to talk about regarding this movie, and because there are going to be so many people talking about it, it was really hard to choose what he really wanted to talk about here. So, from the gut, this movie had the most Western actors in it than any other Godzilla movie outside of the two Godzilla movies made in America. Although, to call them actors is stretching. Their lines were delivered so badly, including the Steven Spielberg's father, that it felt like Toho Studios had rounded up the closest group of ESL instructors in Tokyo and threw them in a movie. The one that did shine the most for Jamie? M11. That dude was great. He had some hilarious lines such as, Here I am! as he fought with the time travel security forces. Is that what they were called? Okay, we're just going to go with that. Uh, the really stupid, silly scenes uh, of his speed running and the yeah. kicking theme, that kicking theme he had. Jamie wants that theme when he goes running and doing stuff. It would be inspirational. 
Other than that, the sheer everything plus the kitchen sink mentality of this film has a distinct Silver Age DC Comics feel to it. Hey, Jamie, wait till you watch Godzilla Final Wars. <laughs> sure, it started off slow, but wow, they just threw everything into this movie and hit the puree button. Time travel, cyborg kaiju, combat androids, flying jetpacks, cute Pokemon-sized kaiju, more time travel. If Jamie were to try and explain this movie to anyone else, he's pretty sure that they'd either never see it or wouldn't wait to see it. As such, he thinks this would be a great movie to show Godzilla fans who have been fans for quite a while already and gives this 4 out of 5 M11 data discs. This movie had Chris at Super Scientific Playroom. Godzilla looks menacing and King Ghidorah is awesome as always. However, he missed not hearing the classic Ghidorah high-pitched frantic roar. The Futurians were about as intimidating as marshmallows, but they had to time-warped <laughs> spaceship. This spaceship was crucial to go back in time to resurrect Ghidorah's corpse to create Mecha King Ghidorah. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> do that again i didn't read ahead on this so i was literally like this has letters <laughs> he loved this movie and would highly recommend it to a kaiju newbie boy boy <laughs> that was awesome like, yeah boy <laughs> I was reading I'm like pretty M11. sure, pretty sure you're ready to take over for Flava Flav. Is that it? Yeah. No. Okay. I'm trying out for the Futurians. <laughs> All right. Because so many people will wax loquacious and elegant in this month's homework assignment, Stephen promises to be brief. He knows this film has all those time travel flaws, but he doesn't care. This film, featuring one of his personal favorite non-Godzilla kaiju, King Ghidra, and his personal favorite of the whole Heisei era. His wife loves the Dorats. Nice. It's fun, well-paced, has a sprinkling of humor scattered about, and also has emotion and a touch of pathos to make it a satisfying experience. Would he show this to a kaiju newbie? Sure. Any lame excuse he can come up with to rewatch it works for Steven. Three non-radiated Dorats out of four. <laughs> Robert first became aware of this movie after he started work at Blockbuster in the early 2000s. The VHS of Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah was sitting on the shelf, but he dismissed it, confusing it with the movie Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, and also still feeling bitter and b from being jilted by Gino. But after seeing GMK, Robert's childhood love for Godzilla was rekindled, and he voraciously watched every Godzilla film he could lay his hands on, and this one was one of the first. He had no idea that they had made any Godzilla films in the 90s, and this film blew him away. Watching it again now, it still holds up. The monster fights are enthralling, the time travel plot captures the feel of the Showa films, and Mecha King Ghidra is a pretty spectacular foe. It's very satisfying to see Godzilla's origins, to see him react and emote in close-ups, and to see white folks speaking Japanese for once. All in all, this is one of Godzilla's best efforts. <laughs> I like that. White folks speaking Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Moj, which is spelled M-O-J... Ministry of Justice? I don't know what that means, but uh, says that despite Emmy's hopeful vision of a superpower Japan, the film implies that the meddling of Gaijin, future men, sets off an unstoppable chain reaction of events that can't be solved by Japan alone. It's easy to find parallels with the decade-long financial recession Japan was facing at the time, and the film is very aware of this. 
Shindo's character essentially sees the fall of both periods of Japan, first as a soldier on the battlefield, then as an executive in a high tower. There are a lot of cynical cycles here, too. Just as the United States impeded Japan's progress in the 40s, so the men from the future try to do here. King Ghidra is formed to defeat Godzilla. The new Godzilla is born out of man's attempt to stop King Ghidra, and Mecha King Ghidra is created to stop the new Godzilla. Japan is incapable of escaping its past and its future. This is a really thematically rich, great B-movie, and has become one of Moja's favorite over the years. Godzilla vs. King Ghidra was the film that really got Jay back into Godzilla. He saw a CNN news report on the latest Godzilla film and its supposed anti-American themes. He had to wait what seemed like forever to score a fourth-generation VHS bootleg. Luckily, a subtitled copy from Toho was leaked so he could follow the twists and turns of the plot. He absolutely loved it. It reached great heights and had the goofy groans that one would set that would set the pattern for the rest of the 90s films. Last year, Jay finally got to see Godzilla vs. King Ghidra on 35mm in a theater 23, year, 23 years later after the film was released. And the film was still a great deal of fun. The screening was made unforgettable when Shogo Tamiyama sat next to Jay. Not trying to name drop, but you guys are the only ones that might think that's cool or even know who Tomiyama-san is. Having been so impressed with the effects for Biollante, the thought of seeing an updated King Ghidra was extremely exciting, and Herman found a way to see both movies back-to-back and was floored. He loved how they were making our beloved kaiju so much more animalistic. No dancing, no boxing moves. This new Godzilla looked so vicious and gave off a feeling like you better stay the hell out of his way. He liked how the kaiju could actually inflict real damage on each other beyond bleeding. It made the battles more intense with more at stake. King Ghidra was just amazing looking, appearing very wicked. Herman jumped up (laughs) and was all, hell yeah, at the scene where Ghidra's mammoth shadow was cast over the boat. That was a great way to keep the anticipation before his awesome reveal. Ghidra, worthy adversary of the king himself. But But that leads to the film's one extremely annoying element. Dorats? Dorats? I don't think I heard him right. Door rats, man. (laughs) Come on, that's like taking something cool like Darth Vader and saying he was originally once an incredibly irritating little kid who... uh, Okay, never mind. He's comparing him to that guy? (laughs) I think it's actually pretty apt, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) Anyway, there is no way the mighty King Ghidra was spawned by three goofy, deformed Mogwai rejects who look like they belong in the Mothra spinoff series. Yuck. Uh, for the record, that was all in caps, and I just did not decide to stand up and yell into the microphone. So you know you'd get something thrown at you, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I yes, I I pretty much knew that, Rachel. <laughs> they would anyway. <laughs> Mogwai rejects. Yeah. No, like Mogwai Then he cousins. goes on. Then he goes on to say they would be more appropriate as uh, servants of Belvera from the Mothra trilogy. <laughs> It was also very interesting that the film explored the themes of Japanese nationalism and self-identity on the global scene. There aren't any other kaiju movies since Atragon that address these ideas. It was also intriguing and admittedly a little uncomfortable to get a foreign perspective of World War II and the USA's role. 
Rather than the Showa era's Never Never Land, this new Godzilla series seemed to add elements of the real world. Yet the men from the future villains provided the familiar kind of circumstances on the typical Showa era Godzilla movie scenario. Of course, namely Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. All in all, the, <laughs> all in all, and Dorats aside, Godzilla vs. King Ghidra is an awesome Godzilla spectacle that delivers fantastic kaiju action with brutal battles. Bravo, Toho, you got this one right. Yeah, I think you understand what it's like to be a Mothra fan. Everybody, yeah. Everybody's against you. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but That's stick, why you get, gotta get stick to your guns. You do. Man. And you, you become defensive. You yeah. begin to hate everyone. <laughs> hey, I'm a Mothra fan too, no hating No, me. I mean, I'm not saying anybody here. I'm just saying the fans out there. Yeah. They like to. They like to take their little jabs at them at Mothra. Yeah, they do. But I love I love them all. I'll give them all a big kiss when I see them. <laughs> <laughs> the kiss of death. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Rick loves the scene where Godzilla falls down, and the feet shots are excellent. Classic Godzilla. But he would have liked more hand-to-hand fighting in the kaiju battles, and not as many beam battles. Adam notes that Godzilla vs. King Ghidra, though it's hardly boring, feels like the one with the largest amount of wasted potential. Instead of committing to this cool, alternate history-style story they want to tell, they half-ass it with a bunch of contradictory or poorly thought-out plot points. The effects are also a mixed bag. Godzillasaurus is realized fantastically. He actually looks like Godzilla as a dinosaur. The Big G is an improvement over the previous film, appearing far more physically powerful and vicious thanks to the removal of some of the feline attributes that defined his previous facade. His atomic ray and nuclear pulse are also excellently rendered, his breath weapon boasting crimson streaks that hint at even greater power. King Ghidra does not fare quite as well as Godzilla in realization. Kawakita opts for some minor redesign, which, although nice in its own regard, still is unable to surpass the standard set by Tsuburaya's King Ghidra. The one element lacking in Kawakita's monster is wing movement. While flying, King Ghidra often seems to glide rather than flap its wings gracefully. Also, the beast's flying sound was dropped, and for some reason, the wonderful sound effects of the original King Ghidra were eliminated in favor of a Rodan-like roar. The Mecha King Ghidra comes off surprisingly well, with only a partial mechanization of the beast being done. Godzilla vs. King Ghidra, definitely not the greatest movie ever. Ian says that Godzilla vs. King Ghidra feels like a great starting off point for getting new viewers to watch kaiju movie. It is set up similar to prior Godzilla films like Mothra vs. Godzilla, in that it is a follow-up to a prior film, but not really needing the viewer to have seen it to get what's going on. It also sets a new tradition in Godzilla history by being the first film to have a main human character that had appeared in a prior film in Miss Miki Saigusa. The director also did a great job of explaining away the reason Godzilla was larger in this film compared to all prior films, by having the protagonist say that Godzilla was made with modern nuclear weapons. All in all, a movie that Ian would show to a first-time Godzilla watcher. Mike says that keeping his comments brief is going to be difficult because Godzilla vs. King Ghidra contains an exorbitant amount of talking points. The film obviously would have been a lot better if they had spent more time on it, effects would have been improved, and plot holes could have been filled. He doesn't get the Futurian's plan just as he didn't get the Exian's plan. What point did the ruse serve? 
He also doesn't understand why Emmy seems surprised to hear of King Ghidra's existence after intentionally dropping off the Dorats to become King Ghidra. And for someone who'd already been proven untrustworthy, Emmy was given a lot of free reign to reprogram M11 with no supervision. Why do Ghidra's flying scenes in 1964 and 1965 look so much better than they do in 91? In this film, King Ghidra's necks are too long, they get kinks, and Mike misses Ghidra's old bell roar. The intentional humor isn't funny. Take that, you dinosaur. And where did the Godzilla-saurus come from? Did it have relatives? Mike had always heard that the Godzilla in the 84 film was supposed to be a different beast than the one in 54, but this film seems to imply otherwise. Godzilla shows up way too late, but is a steady presence once he's there. This is probably the best Godzilla has looked during the Heisei run. He seems more massive and bulky in this than any of the other 90s films. Despite his, despite his earlier complaints, Mike finds the movie enjoyable overall. Rich watched Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah quite a few years ago. After years of forgetting the genre, this movie brought, back, uh, brought him right back in. The film style was quite different than past films, but he very much enjoyed the movie and found himself re-watching many other kaiju movies and reliving the charm of his youth. Matt and his kid sister Anna think that Godzilla vs. King Ghidra is not only one of the best Godzilla films, but is one of the greatest kaiju films of all time. Sadly, this review is for the dubbed film, for a Japanese version is not available in the U.S., Uh, And there are a few negative aspects of the dubbed version. Younger children watching the movie called it cheesy, while adults may find that there are problems in the time travel plot. Obviously, if they stopped the dinosaur from becoming Godzilla in the past, how did everyone in the present remember Godzilla? Regardless, the movie is so fun to watch that both children and adults can enjoy it despite the criticisms about it. Mac gives it 9 out of 10 Ghidra heads and feels that this is definitely one of the best films to show a kaiju newbie. Like many others, Brandon enjoys this movie, but what finally makes him happy is that we finally got to the Blu-ray release here in the States. The VHS and the DVD had such a grainy look to it that it was almost a turnoff. Also, M11's running was stellar. And there you have it. I don't think it was our record-breaking one, but it was a pretty big submission list of... uh, of homework. Big thanks to everybody who sent in their homework. I really appreciate that. Uh, also, sorry I had to edit down some of these, but you all had fair warning. <laughs> uh, and also, major, major kudos to those of you who wrote their homework in third person. That is definitely going to be the requirement in the future at some point. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and we should mention that um, for people who've only seen the dubbed version, the subtitle version is available in the United States. Uh, I don't think I need to mention that. Are you sure? No, I definitely want to mention it's, that. <laughs> it's too late for that. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> but too if late. anybody's No one is allowed jonesing, to watch that movie ever again. <laughs> if anybody's jonesing to watch it, you can get it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Sony released it on Blu-ray, I think, a couple of months ago. When, you know, the big Godzilla boom happened in the summer. Uh, let's see here. Ooh, who wants to know what next month's movie is? I do. Me. I, I thought Jeff was going to say no or something. But. Of course not. All right. So next month's movie is Gamera versus Jiger. No. <laughs> I don't know this movie at all. Um, it's a it's a later Gamera film from the show era. It's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> uh, it's got things and stuff that happen in it. 
Actually, it does have something really, really cool that has never happened in a kaiju film before. Uh, but I don't want to spoil it for you, Martin, since you're probably going to come. All right. <laughs> the deadline for sending in your homework, listeners, is March 19th. And I know that seems a little early, but that's because the last weekend of the month, I will be at Monster Palooza. Just Kyle. <laughs> I'm not so going. Kyle. Yeah, it's a bummer that you're not going. And Emerald City Comic Con. Yeah, I'm not going to that one. either. Uh, or I'm not going to Emerald City Comic Con. Are you going to that? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, that brings us to our next segment, Pickle Ginger. So I uh, don't. I don't usually introduce this, right? Uh, Pickle Ginger is when listeners send in trivia questions for the Kaiju Casters to answer and uh there's no prizes it's you know just for fun just to cleanse the palate Pretty after sure the a very prize long... is bragging rights oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's I'm honor just saying, yeah an honor i mean you have, come on now yeah it's to best your opponents yeah. taste their blood etc so this pickle ginger comes from andrew parham thanks andrew we're gonna get going Thank you. right now two of the godzilla's earlier films were used as fodder on Mystery Science Theater 3000. I Which films it. were they? Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. And Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Megalon. Megalon. <laughs> <laughs> I get half a point. <laughs> the cooks are correct. <laughs> I don't, think he don't say, me. don't say I We're know it beforehand. Off. This well, is, no. you're supposed to just blurt it out. <laughs> I was about to name the, uh, I was about to give the number of the episode and I was like, oh, that's going to sound really dorky. And then I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Good thing you didn't. You yeah. probably would be shunned from this group <laughs> for being a nerd or something. Uh, Godzilla has endorsed many products over the years. Name three products Snickers. that Godzilla has appeared to on TV to endorse. Taco who, Bell. Wait, Snickers. who said Snickers? Right here. Okay, Snickers. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. That's three. That That is three, but I mean... Uh, there's more. So far, more? the three oh. of you are tied. Oh. <laughs> um... So the three of you are tied. So Martin, Jeff, and, and Brian, fight. one of you could, yeah, you fight I'm, right I'm now. I'm trying to get it t- on, on the tie here. There, there's another one. There's more. Yeah. Nike? Uh, count? technically, I think does that, that does count? count. I think that counts because of, of uh, Godzilla versus yeah. Barkley. Um, Bubble Yum. Also, Fiat and oh, yeah. he says Subway that there are, though there are, Oh, Their the, use of his image was unlicensed. One, maybe. I thought that the subway one wasn't actually wasn't it? Godzilla, though. Anyway, uh, yeah, there you go. Question number two. Who's ready for question number three? Me. Boy. I'm going to ask this one in <laughs> Japanese now. Just kidding. In Godzilla <laughs> like, versus oh. King Ghidra, the ship the Futurians used to travel back in time is called what? Mother. Right. <sighs> and on the same note, bonus point. Kids. <laughs> Robert Shaw Mothership Jefferson Mothership Okay actually Brian got it before I even asked her asked the damn question yes! and on the same note what was the smaller second craft they used to go travel back further to Lagos Island Large Charles Barkley Large craft <laughs> yeah Large craft mother small craft kids What color Red, is the green, Dorat's black, hair Gray green green, green. Rachel got it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she actually kind of got it beforehand. But, <laughs> but once she actually heard the question, she did get it first. 
The Dorats are able to sense feelings. How do they do this? Empathy. Oh, I don't know how they sense feelings. <laughs> Telekinesis. Star sensory with, receptors on their wings. By Charles Barkley. <laughs> uh, is it in the dialogue? Mind meld. Um. Yes, this confirmed on IMDb. Where they get through this? Through their <laughs> sense of smell. Uh, it says through microwave. Microwave. Microwave, microwave popcorn? I'm, I'm guessing it's like microwave implants. No, uh, that can't be because they had traveled back to 1944 and they microwave impulses. Microwave impulses. All right, all right. Let's move on. <laughs> the Futurians came to the past from what year? 2203. 2204. Oh, that sucks. It's 2204. Thank you so much. No, boy. Okay, in Godzilla vs. King Ghidra... Godzilla's size is increased due to extra radiation he absorbed. How tall is he in this film? 80 50 meters. centimeters. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> 80 meters. 120? No, no. Oh. I said 50 centimeters. No. That's a callback I'm going to give you points for no reason. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's 100 meters. All right. One uh, meter. Uh, <laughs> close. Really close. Uh, okay, so we're going to go ahead and move on. Thank you, Andrew Parham, for sending in those pickled ginger uh, questions. That's It's always fun. I love it. I, yeah, I, you I know, think it's fun. It's I don't think it way. needs to be topical like that, like where you ask questions from the movie that we're watching. It was kind of cool this time. Yeah, I dug it. Uh, we are going to go ahead and move on to the news. We're going to additionally cleanse our palates with a little bit of green slime.
United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. Oh my gosh, this is almost like a pre-Godzilla 2014 news update. We have uh, some really awesome stuff. Uh, the first thing is that in um, earlier this month, on February 8th in Tokyo, uh, Winter Wonder Festival happened, and that is basically a really amazing show for garage kit builders, model kit builders, but there are also toy vendors there as well. And so... Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to turn things over to our foreign correspondent, Brandon, from the Tokyo Toy Fiend. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, this seems like it was a very good Wonder Festival for Godzilla fans and Tokusatsu fans. Uh, I would say if you are a Godzilla fan, a collector, or any kind of kit, kit builder, uh, this would be your dream. It, it's... Uh, <laughs> It is way too much to take in, and uh, for collectors out there, if you ever decide to come to Wonderfest, uh, make sure your pockets are full of yen, because you're just going to want to throw money at people. So, uh, yeah, it was a great time, man. Well, I know that we saw a lot from uh, different kit makers and different um, X-plus figures that are being released. I was wondering, what do you think were some of the highlights from the show as a Godzilla fan? Well, it's funny you should mention that because I have a list of the top things I thought were at uh, Wonderfest Kaiju uh, related. So um, number one I had was uh, Tease Facto. Um, pretty much everything on their on their table or at their booth was out of this world. I mean, um, for the kit builders out there, um, if if you have the money, I'd say that that would be a great investment. Um, for X Plus, I mean, I know everybody, pretty much 90% of the people that listen to the show probably want to know what's coming from X Plus, right? So, um, Dinosaur Tank from Ultraman series, uh, the Biolante reissue, uh, the 89 set, uh, both, I guess, are coming as a set. Is that what's happening, Kyle? Uh, yeah, it looks like it's a light up set coming from X Plus. And I don't know when it's going to be released, but it's both the 25 centimeter 89 Godzilla and Biolante. Yeah, and from what I got, from uh from the guys at X Plus, uh it's a Mayish release time for that, I guess. But they weren't really certain on what when the release date was gonna be. Uh whenever I asked uh one of the guys from X Plus, he said Mayish. Gotcha, with a, gotcha. With an emphasis on the ish. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um Ultra Seven exclusive, Wonderfest exclusive, it was pretty cool. Uh there was the Final Wars exclusive. Everybody everybody saw it, everybody wanted it. Uh, but of course, uh, within the first 10 minutes of Wonderfest, all of the exclusives are sold out. If, if you didn't know that, it, it's, it's crazy. It's like Hunger Games for, for toys. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, everybody rushes in and goes, it gets so funny because it's sectored off, you know? So you have like eight different rooms and everybody's rushing to the room that they want to, you know, invest in. But uh, anyway, back to this, uh, Mothra, uh, Mothra. With uh, the set, I, I don't know if it's a set, but it, had, it comes with an egg and the uh, egg, the larva egg, and also um, there was a Godzilla by it, the 64 Godzilla. I don't know if that's a full set, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, that was really cool, though. Um, also, Hazawa Gumi uh, had some uh, two figures there. There was uh, the 1954 Godzilla. Uh, it was a Wonderfest exclusive. 
And then, of course, the dance in Goji, which was that super festival. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was, I was expecting a little bit more from the Zawagumi this time. At Super Festival, last time I was there, they had like 10 figures and they were all really, really cool. And, uh, as you know, most collectors are really into Zawagumi these days. So that would have been really nice to see a bigger selection, but, uh, it was really cool to see them there. Um, I don't know if you saw my video, but, uh, the Yuji Sakai table. What'd you think about that, Kyle? Oh my gosh. I absolutely saw your video and the Yuji Sakai table looks fantastic. I mean, his presentation is pretty much flawless. That guy does fantastic work. I can't imagine what it would be like to see it in person though, man. It was fantastic. Uh, the one thing that hurt the most was the, was the, was the price points of most of the stuff, as you saw. Uh, there was a, of course, on the video, was the, this table was called Godzilla Dream. Um, and there was a bunch of uh, variants of the SH Monster Art series. Uh, they had a red colorway of the uh, 2014 Godzilla. And then, of course, what everybody's talking about right now, the Spitfire Godzilla, mm -hmm. uh, that was there. Uh, but pretty much, uh, to me, a lot of it is just uh, color variations on on um, sculpts that they've already put out, right? So I wasn't too excited about any of that. What I was excited about was the X Plus 1991 Godzilla uh, that's supposed to be released this year. So um, and also the 2000 Godzilla with the translucent spines. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, that's based off of the original uh, concept artwork that that Sakai sculpted for the movie. That looked pretty amazing. Yes, it was definitely amazing. I wish I would have got better footage of it, but as you saw. There were so many people there, man, and like they were just like swarming in this booth. So I was lucky to even get the footage that I got. Um, another uh, great booth that was at Wonderfest was the Dimos Monster Lab. Did mm -hmm. you see that? Uh, I I did. Yeah, yeah. Dimos puts out some really cool stuff, some very interesting sculpts. Yeah, my favorite uh, sculpt was a uh, Frankenstein, obviously Frankenstein and Baragon kit, because you don't really see a lot of that these days. You know what I mean? And if you do, it's uh, I mean, of course, it's you're going to pay for it, but um, it was a great, great sculpt, great design. Uh, I love the little baseball player. I tried to get a real good shot of the baseball player on the field, and it's a great uh, size comparison. Uh, also, the flying Varan. Uh, uh, that was really, really, really cool, just because we don't see too much of that, you know? Um, another great thing at Wonderfest was the uh, puppet show. Oh, I've seen a lot of footage of that just in years past. And then, of course, uh, in your, in your video. And I think I even saw stuff posted on Facebook. Lots of puppets. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. I mean, just to see, uh, people still carrying on, you know, this kind of, uh, tradition, I guess, here. Uh, and there was a, actually a really decent sized crowd for every little show they put on, you know? So, uh, it was really cool to see that. Um, there was a, a really unique booth that was called, uh, Kaizuo Kubo. And all of their, uh, um, kits had light up features, but the light up features weren't like your normal little bitty light, light up features, like light up features that could light up a room, like almost a lamp. And I thought that was really cool. Um, so like if, uh, you know, you're, you want to put something really nice in your collection room or something like that, you know, that'd be a, a, a cool thing to have. Um, I think my favorite, uh, Kaiju-related piece of Wonderfest was actually the War of the Gargantuas, uh, the Santa and the boat, you know, like at the beginning of War of Gargantuas, whenever uh, he picks up the boat, uh, they had the actual kit, uh, a humongous kit, not just like a little kit, like a, a kit that would fit in scale with the 1995 X-Plus Burning Godzilla Gigantic series. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, fantastic. That was probably my favorite 
I'd say that was my favorite uh, piece from, yeah. Cool, man. So at this kind of show, it seems like it's mostly model kit creators and uh, maybe a few, like you said, Hazawa Gumi was there. And uh, I think I could be wrong about this, but was Gigabrain also uh, tabling at that show? They were. Um, Gigabrain pretty much was nothing, nothing significant to report. Pretty much the same stuff they always uh, bring with different uh, paint variations. Uh, nothing new. There was nothing uh, new or exciting about Hazawa. I mean, um, Gigabrain's table, unfortunately. Um, they, they, we know who, whose uh, booth was amazing. Metacom toy with all the Godzilla Vinyl Wars um, new stuff coming out. It was fantastic. Everything that they had on that table was exciting. I mean, I was very excited. And of course, uh, getting anything in the mail is exciting, and uh, especially something of, of that nature and, and of uh, the detail, the paint apps, everything was, was awesome. Orga is coming out right soon, so that'll be cool. Um, yeah, so the, I think the Metacom toy was, was a big hit at uh, Wonderfest. So uh, what would you say is the difference between the Winter Wonder Festival and the Summer Wonder Festival? Well, I think the Winter Wonder Festival kind of pro- uh, projects what's coming out for the rest of the year, you know what I mean? And Summer Festival is actually when you can get most of that stuff. Uh, a lot of the, I, I guess, Winter Wonder Festival is more exclusives. I mean, I could be wrong, but in my eyes, I think there was a lot more exclusives like, oh, the show's coming up, so let's put out something that we already have with a different paint variation or something like that and kind of show what we're going to put out later in the year. Summer Festival, I guess, is when they would actually put that product out. So uh, both have awesome plus sides, you know, uh, but uh, I am definitely going to be at Summer Wonderfest, and from here on out, I will never miss another other Wonderfest uh, if it's within my power. It was just an amazing experience, man. Awesome. Very cool. Well, dude, thank you so much for sharing your experience at uh, at Winter Wonder Festival, and we'll put a link in the show notes to your video so people can check out what you saw. Cool, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me on your show. And just a quick update, since I've spoken to Brandon, X-Plus has updated their website with the Godzilla vs. Biollante set, which will be 59,400 yen. Uh, it's due out in June. Uh, it looks like there's another variation on this set available through Bandai's website as well. Both the 25 centimeter 1964 Mothra Godzilla set and the Yuji Sakai 27 centimeter Godzilla 1991 have also been listed on the X Plus website. The exclusive 1964 Mothra set comes with the 25 centimeter 64 Godzilla and the price of that is 29,700 yen. The Rick Boy version of the Sakai 91 has light up fins and will cost 28,620 yen. Uh, the pre-order window for both of those, um, the pre-order window for both of those exclusives closes on March 16th. Of course, this is all in Japanese. So if you wanted to order any of these exclusives, you have to use a third party service unless you are in Japan. The standard versions of Mothra and the 91 Godzilla are both available now for pre-order on sites like Hobby Search and Ami Ami. Big thanks to Brandon for helping us out with that news segment. And uh, make sure you check out Tokyo Toy Fiend on YouTube for more information. Next up, as a lot of people, Cindy, you might actually know this because you're in the retail business. 
Toy Fair happened uh, last well, a couple weeks ago in New York, and there were quite a lot of Godzilla announcements. <laughs> Bless you. Quite a lot of Godzilla announcements. Uh, starting out with Diamond Select Toys, our friends who actually provide us with quite a bit of prizes here on the Kaiju Cast. They have a 1974 Godzilla bank that they're going to be releasing in August, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'm actually, I'm not a huge fan of how that actually turned out. The face is a little weird, but, um, it's cool that they're actually going for an old school seventies vibe bank. And these are the same guys that made your creature from the black lagoon bank. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they do really a good like job those. on those. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, they're also doing a Rodan, uh, a fire Rodan from 1993 bank. And that's going to be released in the fall. And I believe both of those retail for $34.99. Oh, actually, I didn't see photos of this, but uh, Zach from Diamond Select Toys said that they are also doing a Jet Jaguar bank. Oh, cool. <laughs> and that'll be, that'll be in the winter. And that'll be a little bit cheaper. That's awesome. Uh, NECA, the company who made these splendid Pacific Rim toys here, and also... Um, this, well, you can't see it, but this Godzilla 2014 <laughs> figure and uh, this 94 figure. You know, they also did the 84 figure and they have continued that series. They've got a 95, which is just the 94 that's been repainted, like burning mm -hmm. style. And uh, they also have the 1954 version coming out. And NES owners might be interested to know that they put out, they're putting out a special color variation on the 84 sculpt that looks like blocky video game pixels. Did you yeah. see that, Brian? Yes. Yeah. It's totally cool. Yeah, cool. it's kind of like how they did the NECA Batman, like from the yes. NES, yeah. where he's all purple. And yeah. Which is great. Yeah. They also so did cool. a Jason from Friday the 13th, but they all look like the old Nintendo games, and they look great. Looks cool. awesome. That Godzilla looks so cool. Right on. So well, I'm glad yeah. you guys are looking forward to that. Uh, you know, NECA, feel free to send us uh, some review copies if you want. I'll get these <laughs> yeah. guys input on it. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, we're going to come back to NECA in a second, but Tamashi Nations slash SH Monster Arts has a repaint of the Godzilla 2014 with the fins as like bright blue and a really cool breath accessory, which has been missing from recent uh, releases from SH Monster Arts, in my opinion. That will be about $70, $71 when it comes out. They also had the Mecha King Ghidra and the new color variant on their Godzilla 2000 sculpt on display at Toy Fair. Uh, Bandai, as in Bandai Creation or Bandai USA, has a new Godzilla 2014 sculpt coming out where he's sort of roaring in the air. Looks a lot better than their previous releases. And they're also going to be releasing the, um, the, at least the Muto, if not the Godzilla, the egg transformers. You guys ever seen those? They're, they're actually, oh, it's yeah. like a yeah. super old school, and a like, pig toy egg. thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't have it yet. <laughs> Somewhere I have a, day. I have a, I think I have a Gamera from like ages ago. But anyway, they're going to be releasing that. Uh, on the Pacific Rim front, NECA, same company we were talking about before, is releasing the let's see here they're releasing jaegers horizon brave reactor blast gypsy danger their uh otachi and their baby otachi kaiju are coming out soon Yay. they have an 18 inch striker eureka coming out yeah they they just recently released 
the uh, Cherno Alpha. Cherno yeah. Alpha that looks pretty cool. Yeah, my buddy Steven has that, and yeah, he took photos it. of it lit up and yeah, tagged yeah, me in the photo. Cool. <laughs> it looks really awesome. awesome. I also saw the regular seven-inch size of the battle-damaged. Um, oh, Gypsy? Yeah, with his arm ripped off. Oh, yeah? That looks pretty cool, too. Cool. Right on. Uh, and then... The coolest thing in the in the Pacific Rim releases, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, does anybody remember in the prologue of the film when they're talking about the the attacks and then they started beating them and then they flash forward to uh, like a talk show host and there's a big giant inflatable kaiju suit attacking these two Japanese talk show hosts and they show like these kids playing with these figures. They have successfully reproduced these little figures oh, from the movie nice. they're called uh chibi in movie figures and they have romeo blue horizon brave trespasser karloff the only karloff out there and hardship the lame part about it is that they are san diego comic-con exclusives oh <laughs> bummer so maybe they'll is like a five pack pick us up yeah something? they're little they're yeah, like little chibi yeah. guys so it's like you know cool. that's cool you gotta hit up your connections down there at- yeah SDCC. Gotta get in my San Diego, folks. Okay. <laughs> Next up, Viz. Anybody familiar with that company? They release manga here in the States. They are going to be releasing the Ultraman manga. You guys seen oh. that? Ultraman has been completely redesigned in this retelling, and he looks like a super armored version. So remember in Ultraman the Next how he had like almost like a bio-organic uh exoskeleton you could yeah. say well in this new version it's more like he's wearing actual armor or he could even be robotic i don't know but i think it looks really cool i think it's an interesting take on on the ultraman character and apparently people who have read the manga uh say that it's a very interesting <coughs> retelling of the story as well so that's going to be released in the states i can't wait to pick that up that's going to be probably my first manga that i've purchased in over a decade, I would say, because I think my last one was the. Um, yeah. <laughs> they had the, they had Star Wars manga that yes. was released, mm-hmm. and I, so I have a couple of those. And then uh, I bought what did they call it? They called it Terror of Godzilla. Dark Horse released Terror of Godzilla, which was a uh, repackaging of the 1984 manga. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Also had Art Adams covers, which were fantastic. Uh, moving on, there are more Godzilla Vinyl Wars announcements on Sci-Fi Japan. Oh, there's also going to be a link in the show notes to the Sci-Fi Japan article about that Ultraman manga. Uh, but the new, the new Sci-Fi Japan article that has um, has these uh, Godzilla Vinyl Wars. <laughs> Honestly, for me, there's not a lot in there to make me excited about the release. There's a Millennium Godzilla son of. Uh, Son of Godzilla, Godzilla, Aminya, and some other ones. They're just not, they're not the style that grabs me. Plus, I'm trying to save money, you guys. I don't need to be <laughs> buying a whole bunch of Godzilla Vinyl War things. If you're interested in the Godzilla Vinyl War series, make sure you check out the links in the show notes to scifijapan.com for those articles. Additionally, IDW is uh, publishing an oversized hardcover book of Godzilla Half Century War it is 152 pages. It's 8 by 12. It's going to, the manufacturer's suggested retail price is $34.99, and its tentative in store date is May 2015. 
I don't know about you guys, I freaking love that series. So, um, and I think I actually gave away my graphic novel on the <laughs> podcast. So, huzzah! It just kind of worked <laughs> out for me. <laughs> Gonna end up getting that. Uh, next up, we have some podcast stuff that I want to talk about. Not my own podcast, but the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, which is another uh, group of people that have been doing... Oh, man, I think they started right after Pacific Rim. Uh, they're, they're pretty entertaining. The reason I'm sharing this particular tidbit of information is because I'm super jealous that they got to talk to Ricardo Delgado, the guy who did uh, Age of Reptiles, the guy who also designed a whole bunch of Godzilla stuff for um, the uh, Jan de Bont Godzilla. Oh. Like, so they talked to him and broke it up into two episodes. Both of those episodes are online right now. Um, give those guys a bump in their numbers and go check that out in the, the links in the show notes to both of those podcasts. I haven't been able to listen to the second one yet, but it is like right on deck on my phone. And also, I've been meaning to share this for quite some time, but I keep forgetting. And finally, finally, Mark and Andy, I apologize, but it's here. Check out Monsterland Ohio Radio. Uh, it is hosted by a father and son, Mark and Andy, and I've met them. They go to G-Fest. They're huge Godzilla fans. And uh, yeah, check it out. The links are in the show notes to that as well. That's going to do it for our news. And we're moving along to catastrophic events. <laughs> Am I, you guys aren't doing that too? Okay. Yeah. Pew, pew. Wait. One more. One more. That's for you, Jeff. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to do in the waveform. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Make sure everybody's awake. Yeah, I'm awake now. March 13th through the 15th, Lexington Comic Con is going to have Hiroko Sakurai, who played Fuji in the Ultraman series, the original Ultraman series, Ben Furuya, who was Ultraman in the Ultraman series, and also was one of the, basically the science patrol guys in Ultra 7, uh, as guests to that convention, in addition to lots of Sentai heroes, both from Japan and from the American productions. So if you're a big fan of that kind of stuff, make sure, and near Lexington, Kentucky, make sure you check out that comic convention. The 27th through the 29th of March at Monsterpalooza, Sonny Chiba will be there. Also, I will be there as a special guest with no special treatment as all, at all. <laughs> no, I will. Uh, I should try and get like a listener party going. Sorry, I don't want to bum you out, Jeff, because you're not going. But uh, I'm totally going. I've already got the hotel room booked and the flight booked. So you're going with. You'll, you'll have your lady though. To I'll keep have the company. lady there. Yeah, yeah so. she'll keep me company. So uh, you have somebody to keep you warm other than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the stories we could tell from our last trip to Monster Palooza, Jeff. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, go check that out if you are in the Burbank area. And if, uh, if you're in the Boston area, April 3rd to April 5th, Anime Boston is bringing Akira Takarada and Haruo Nakajima to that convention, which is pretty awesome. Um, something that I think I just want to mention about this because it is going to come into play, you know, down the road, these appearances by the Japanese guests, the Japanese stars, they're pretty much being helmed by Jim Cirinella, who we had on the show for our live episode. Um, and these 
are rarely just Jim contacting a show and saying, hey, do you want Japanese guests? It's a fan movement. So if you live in a city and you know other Godzilla fans in that city, do yourself a favor and, you know, pool your resources and contact these conventions and get them to to see that there's interest in getting those people there. I'm going to be doing that here in Portland. I really hope I can count on the people around me oh, you <laughs> to, betcha. to, to uh, help Rose City Comic Con specifically know that, you know, there is a good reason to have Japanese guests come because Jim and his crew have their fingers on the pulse of a lot of Japanese actors that, that could come over here. So uh, that's all we got for catastrophic events. It's time to close out the show. So if you found the Kaiju cast on iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure to point your web browser to kaijucast.com where you can pretty much see everything we're about. All our episodes are there. The Kaiju discussion schedule is up there. Uh, we have all the links to our social networking, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, Instagram, etc. All on the right-hand side. Not to mention links to our friends' websites. Uh, please, please do subscribe to the KaijuCast on some sort of podcatcher or RSS reader. Those numbers, they help. Also, why not give us a review on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using, if, of course, they have that kind of thing. We'd love to see those for sure. And we have, we're actually ranked pretty highly in, in, uh, iTunes just in terms of searching for Godzilla. But, you know, let's get out there with the, with the release of the 2014 film. The noise ratio has been thrown off. And so there's a lot of people that just have one off Godzilla episodes and we need to, you know, smash them into the ground <laughs> anyway we are going to close out the show with one final song and this is a request from steven to hear the ending credits from rodan big thanks to everybody who sent in their homework big thanks to everybody who's sitting over here around me i uh, had a blast talking about godzilla versus king Ghidra with you all we will see you next month jamata
take that, you dinosaur. That was well done. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> it was my only option. Something new. Well, yeah, because it's, it's Go Ask Alice. That's the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, looked like, up. I actually looked up Jefferson Mothership on YouTube yeah. to see if I could find it, and the results were not there. Yeah, I think he means Jefferson Starship. Starship. Well, he said Mothership. He means Jefferson Starship. Yeah. All right. Okay. There is no Jefferson. The second mothership. iteration after yeah. was Jefferson Airplane, and there then Jefferson Je- Starship, and what? then Starship. And he was so getting Jefferson, to it, man. It's Jefferson Airplane. Airplane. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then Jefferson Star- Starship. Jefferson and then Starship. Yeah, yeah. This That's, is all gonna we make, built this yeah. city on rock and roll. I was about to say, <laughs> how can we get into singing We Built This City on Rock and Roll? <laughs> That's what I want to do. built this city on yes! Godzilla. <laughs> we crushed this it. city. We crushed the city. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great for the post-episode <laughs> post blip. Okay. You go when the talent's ready, not when you're ready. <laughs> the talent. King Ghidra. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are we talking about? No, okay.